Hello, everybody. Welcome to Internal Budget. Yes, that's right. Do not adjust your television sets. You are listening to the podcast known as Internal Budget, featuring me, Brandon Mackey, staff writer for Silver7Sends.com, and fan of your 2021 Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yes, the Bucks know how to shine. Give a cheer for the Buccaneers, world champs in 2021. I remember when they first signed Tom Brady. I remember how excited I was. And more than that, I remember a lot of you, yes, you listeners, telling me that I was an idiot and that I was wrong for predicting that the Bucs were going to win the Super Bowl. And I remember you so faithfully Jumping into my mentions when the Bucks got blown out by the likes of the Saints and lost to the Bears and were seven and five after three straight losses. And now, after a playoff run that saw them beat handily, one of the best defenses in the league in the Washington football team, future Hall of Famers in Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes to win a Super Bowl. At home, Tom Brady, the greatest team sport athlete to ever walk God's green earth. Thank the Lord for that, man. What a season. What an absolute blast. What a masterclass of defensive football in that final game. And I know this is not a football podcast, but if you thought that I was going to come on, that I wasn't going to come on my show and talk about my Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl, Earning their second world championship. And yes, it's a world championship. Don't come at me with, oh, it's an NFL championship. Because find me a team on the face of the earth that would beat these bucks. You can't. If you thought I was not going to come on here and talk about this football team, you were sorely mistaken. Yeah, I'm rubbing your faces in it. World champs. We ain't going nowhere. We ain't. Go nowhere. Yep, that's right. But I will digress. Perhaps we'll dive into more of that as the show goes on. Probably not. I've already probably lost a few listeners already. Uh, Thank you for, if you're still here, make sure you like the podcast, share it with your friends, download, subscribe, rate five stars, all those fun things that go a long way and will eventually allow me to buy more Tampa Bay Buccaneers gear. Nevertheless... This is not a Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, although I've considered making it so. It is an Ottawa Senators podcast for some reason. And last we spoke, last time I sat in my little desk chair here and gave my musings on the current state of the team, it was hard to find reasons to be positive, man. After that abhorrent western road swing that saw blowout losses to the likes of the Vancouver Canucks and Edmonton Oilers and nary a competitive game to be found. Finally, it looks like things have started to maybe perhaps turn the corner a bit. We'll see. It began with matchups against the vaunted league-leading Montreal Canadiens and Senators fans were understandably nervous about those 
games. You've got a team like Montreal for whom everything is going right. Goaltending, fantastic. Blue line, fantastic. Scoring at the highest clip in the league. It was hard not to be concerned with how the Ottawa Senators were going to fare against that Canadiens team after being blown out multiple times in a row by inferior teams in Vancouver and Edmonton and on the precipice of their first 10-game losing streak in a decade. The last time the Ottawa Senators had lost 10 games in a row was the infamous teardown that saw the likes of Mike Fisher and Chris Kelly and Yarko Rutu traded. And you had fans in the Twitter sphere calling for the heads of DJ Smith and Pierre Dorian. Pitchforks sharpened and raised, torches red hot. And then something happened that I didn't expect, that I don't really think anyone expected. The Ottawa Senators beat the Montreal Canadiens. They beat them. And in impressive fashion, too. Tim Stutzla, with his first multi-point game in the National Hockey League, leading the Senators to a much-needed victory, breaking that nine-game skid, and more importantly, it, we saw a team that looked ready. And not just ready in the tactical sense of the word, as, as in they were ready to play hockey. But they were ready for things not to go in their favor. For the first time in what's felt like a long time, we saw a team that didn't implode at the first sign of trouble. One goal didn't turn into four. And it was just so fun to see them kill penalties, to see young players like Stutzla and Eric Brandstrom take charge, take the reins, and lead a young upstart squad to a victory over a veteran team that is projecting to make a run in the 2021 Stanley Cup playoffs with the way that they are performing right now. It was a sight for sore eyes. And sure, was it sustainable? No. They lost the next game. And they lost the game that just happened tonight to those same Edmonton Oilers. But both of them were close. And that's the thing. It's exactly what Sens fans were hoping to get out of this season. Occasional wins over the rivals, and if you're going to lose, make it competitive, make it interesting, make it fun, and make it so that the kids get something out of it. And that's really been amazing. It has been fun to watch this team, which is something that you couldn't say for the first 10 games of the season. And hopefully it's a sign of things to come, but the one guy who deserves a lot of credit for it is DJ Smith. 
Fans were livid, irate, possibly overreacting about young players not being inserted into the lineup. I know you weren't overreacting. I was just making a little joke. And what do we see when Tim Stutzla starts getting opportunities on the top six and on the power play? What do we see when Braden Coburn comes out of the lineup, gets waived, and Eric Brandstrom gets his first looks of the season? We see a team, the team that we were promised in the offseason. A team powered by its youth. A team playing competitive games. A team is, that is not too slow to keep up with the others in the North Division. Because that is what we'd seen before. A team that's young and hungry and looking to prove themselves. A team that has a chip on their shoulder. Not a team that's just collecting a paycheck. And I'm not suggesting that any of the Senators' veterans have that mentality, that they're just here to collect a paycheck. But there is something about the youthful exuberance that we have seen from this Senator squad so far. And it's going to keep up. Logan Brown was just called up, currently sitting on the team's taxi squad, and we will get to that in a little bit. But first, let's dissect the game that we saw tonight. Another one against the Edmonton Oilers after being blown out by them twice. Twice. In difficult-to-watch fashion. The Senators took a lead. Held it for a good percentage of the game. Evgeny Dadnov getting on the board, even though Adam Larson put it in his own net, those are the ones you need when you're on a slump and you're looking to get going. Were that not sweet enough for a slump buster? Brady Kachuk, beautiful. Floater pass, assist on the marker. And I think the most important takeaway, the thing that has most struck fans of the Ottawa Senators is the way things have changed in net. Marcus Hogberg and Matt Murray through the first 10 games of the season, there's no way to sugarcoat it. They were horrible. They were horrible. They couldn't stop a beach ball. They didn't look mobile in the crease. Their positioning looked off. They didn't look comfortable. They didn't look confident. The defense in front of them did them no favors. But goaltending was really hurting this team. And Matt Murray has played out of his mind the last few games. And that guy deserves a salute because everything that he has been through over the past few years, he has faced a ton of criticism from Ottawa to Pittsburgh and everywhere in between. This guy has had to eat his fair share of crap. And he has bounced back tremendously over the past three games. I mean, look at this. Vancouver, January 28th. Four goals allowed. 840 save percentage on 25 shots. Edmonton, January 31st. Three goals allowed on nine shots. 667 save percentage. Now we go to Montreal, February 4th. Two goals allowed, 38 shots. 947 save percentage and a victory. Second game against Montreal, 
February 6th. Two goals allowed, 32 shots, 938 save percentage. Edmonton, tonight. Two goals allowed, 34 shots, 941 save percentage. This is what the Ottawa Senators brought Matt Murray in to do. They brought him in for consistency, and that's what he's delivered over the past few games. And look, maybe it is too early to start dunking on people who said, oh man, they need to get rid of this Murray guy, this trade was a disaster. It's only been a few games. I understand that. We're still at a point in the season where you can make a good argument that Matt Murray has had more bad performances than good ones. Totally get it. With you. But give credit where it's due. This has been a hell of a bounce back. And I think it is safe to put faith in Matt Murray. I have been a vocal proponent of that since the Senators traded for him. Especially for the price they got him at. I think you're looking at a guy who is barely into his late 20s. With two Stanley Cup rings on his hand. Playing behind a young team that is still learning how to defend. That he's still getting used to. In a new city. In the middle of a pandemic. Matt Murray has had to deal with a ton of adversity. Over the past couple years. And I think what we're seeing might be him finally emerging from this cloud of darkness and kickstarting that career reignition that we had hoped to see from him here in Ottawa that Pierre Dorian brought him in for to be the senator's immediate future in net I think we're seeing it and am I wrong maybe I could very well be wrong but I don't think It is an unsafe bet to say that this Matt Murray might be the Matt Murray that we see over the next few years. Maybe he's even going to get better. Maybe he doesn't. But this to me looks like the Matt Murray that won those two Stanley Cups. And it's, it's the little things in his game. It just looks like he's getting across the crease a little faster. He's tracking the puck better. His rebound control is better. It's easy to forget that these athletes, at the end of the day, they're human beings. That they go through the same things that you and I go through. They go through stress. They go through anxiety. They get in their own heads sometimes. They have injuries that we may not know about. This is all very new. To completely write Matt Murray off before he's even played his first half of a shortened season in Ottawa is insanity. It's absurd. We're not talking about a 37-year-old vet that can barely skate anymore. Again, broken record, going to keep pounding this table. We're talking about a two-time Stanley Cup champion. So... Is it valid to have concerns about Matt Murray? Sure. I think that's more than fair. But is it time to maybe start thinking that this is the Matt Murray we're going to see 
I think so. You can disagree. I'm sure a lot of you do. But I like what I've seen from Matt Murray as of late. And a little bit earlier, before we got into this whole Matt Murray conversation and about how the Senators have rebounded, there has been a storyline coming out of Ottawa regarding another one of their veteran acquisitions. And this is bizarre. I'm Bruce Garriock actually agreed with me on Twitter, which is hilarious. Because I didn't think that was something that would ever happen. Publicly, anyway. Bruce was the first one to report that Derek Stepan was changing his number from 15 to Logan Brown's 21. And I tweeted something along the lines of I dot 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 just dot 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 what, just trying to express my staggering confusion as to what on earth would cause this to take place. I mean, how weird is it to have a veteran player not only switch his number this early in a season or in a season at all, But in doing so, take that number away from a young player who, by all accounts, is going to get a look with the pro team very soon. And speculation ran rampant as to why this was going on. Was Logan Brown going to be traded soon? Was Logan Brown going to get a look at all in Ottawa? What is happening? And maybe I'm screwing up the timeline here, but it also comes out that Derek Stepan wants to be traded out of Ottawa because he misses his family. His wife just had a baby. He can't get across the border to visit without having to quarantine for 14 days. And he's far from home. And I want to make it crystal clear In no sense, in no way, shape, or form am I criticizing Derek Stepan for that. If the guy wants to go be with his wife and his young child, he should do that. I believe this is his third child. He's got a young family. And that's more important than anything. I don't want to get into the saccharine platitudes, but... Family is the most important thing on this earth. So if Stepan wants to leave, fine. Totally A-OK with that. But how does this happen? If you recall, when the Senators traded for Derek Stepan, I was pretty vocal in my support of the move. They gave up a second-round pick for an aging veteran on a $6 million cap hit. And I said, hey, you know what? This is a pretty good deal. You have a wealth of second-round picks, one of which they recouped in the Coburn-Paquette trade that immediately followed. And you bring in a guy who's been to a Stanley Cup final. Proven leadership capabilities. You bring him into a young locker room to play center, which is a difficult position to play at the best of times, and you don't have to force one of your young rookies 
into a role that they may not be ready for. A guy like Tim Stutzler, maybe even Logan Brown. I, I didn't see the downside. I, I understood that the cap hit was a concern, but it's only for one more year. And second round pick, sure, but you have a ton of seconds already. So people were upset. I understood why they were upset, but I thought it was a good move. I wrote a f- whole article about it on silver7sends.com. And now we find out that after not even 15 games, we find out after, before the Senators have even played 12 games, that Derek Stepan wants to be closer to home. How does this happen? If you are Pierre Dorian and you are trading for a guy, how do you not know that he's about to have an unborn child or about to have a child that he's not going to be able to see until May if he comes to play for you? And you give up a second round pick. And now... Because he wants to be closer to home. And now because you're kind of in a pickle. And you probably have to move this guy. You you have to trade him. And his value is squat. He has four points in 12 games. He's been playing in a bottom six role. And it's now public that he wants out. What a mess. What an absolute mess. This, the, the veteran acquisitions that the Senators have brought in since the fall have not worked out, to say the least. Paquette has not performed. Josh Brown, not really a vet, but hasn't really performed. Braden Coburn has not performed. Stepon hasn't really performed. Galchenyuk has been decent, actually, when he's gotten a look. Watson, Watson's been okay. Good Branson hit and miss. But this is just... I've never seen anything like this. And I know part of that is because I've never seen a once-in-a-lifetime global pandemic before this. But how was the due diligence not done here? How on earth was Derek... Step on acquired. Knowing that he had a kid on the way. That he was going to be separated from his family. I just... I don't understand how it happens. I don't. It... It feels like somebody got their wires crossed here. And what sucks for Pierre Dorian and the Ottawa Senators is there's no way they come out of this situation smelling like roses unless they get a second-round pick back for Stepan. And they won't, especially with quarantine restrictions. You send him back over the border, he's got a quarantine for 14 days. How many games does he miss? Pierre Dorian either didn't know that Stepan was about to have a kid 
in that this wouldn't be a and that this would be a factor or he did and didn't think it would be a factor and maybe step on assured him that it wouldn't be maybe step on assured him that he was going to play the season it wouldn't be a problem maybe canadian travel restrictions changed and that changed things but it's just such a bad look it's such a bad look that the guy you brought in for leadership wants out after 10 games my goodness. It feels like the kind of thing that would only happen to the Ottawa Senators, doesn't it? It really does. It just feels like another entry on the long list of indignities that this fan base has had to endure. And I don't want to sound too negative because things are going pretty well. They're playing good hockey. The young players are performing. But fans were overwhelmingly didn't love this trade to begin with. And now you're going to lose assets for it. Second round pick ain't coming back for Derek Stepan. I said it already, but man, I need to emphasize that because what a mess. It just feels like only Ottawa this would happen to. And what the hell are you thinking if you're Logan Brown right now? That is what I can't stop thinking about I can't stop thinking about how Logan Brown after an offseason where he finally got healthy worked his ass off from everything we were told got in shape for training camp knowing that he was probably going to get a look at the NHL roster this year and then the team brings in veteran centers that box him out but if you're Logan, you're probably still thinking, well, you know, I'll still get a look in, early in the season. And if they don't like what they see from me, they'll send me back down. So I just need to perform. And then you find out that you're only viewed as a power play specialist right now. And that you need to round out the rest of your game. And you go, okay, well, that sucks. That's disappointing. But at least I'll get to go on the taxi squad. And practice with the team every day. And go through film study and every other thing that pro hockey players do. And I'll get to learn and round out my game. And then I'll have impressive showings in practice. And then I'll get in the lineup. And then you find out that you're not on the taxi squad. You find out that places on the taxi squad are occupied by the likes of Jonathan Asparov and Matthew Pekka. And you find out that you're going to be sitting in a hotel room in Ottawa. Or whatever. And you are only going to practice if and when the Belleville Senators can sparingly get on the ice. So not only have you gone from potentially and probably rightfully getting a look in the Ottawa top six, at least to start the season. To looking forward to a spot on the taxi squad and practicing with the team. But from there, you go to absolutely nothing. So now, you've been told that by the team, by the organization, by your coach, by your GM, by everyone, that you need to round out your game. Logan Brown, you need to get better in the defensive zone. You need to contribute more than just puck movement in the offensive zone. You need to be a better possession player. You need to be better on face-offs, whatever. And then you find out that you can't even practice with the team. That you are supposed to get better 
by sitting at home. Good luck. I mean, what in the world? And and again, I want to be cautious of blasting the Senators too hard because they did finally call Logan Brown up to the taxi squad and they are going to get him in some games. But what are you thinking if you're that kid right now? You have already felt like you haven't gotten a fair shake. Logan Brown was made no bones about the fact last year that he didn't think he was being treated fairly. His agent coming out and doing the whole big statement that he did, saying they've never seen a top pick get so much resistance or whatever it was that he said. And at the time, I'm thinking, okay, well, Logan Brown's got to show me, not tell me. But if he's not even getting a chance to show you, what's the plan here? What are we doing with this asset? I don't know that I would want to continue to be in this situation if I'm Logan Brown. Maybe I want to go elsewhere to a team that will actually give me a shot. And just the icing on the cake, finding out that the veteran who probably took your spot after letting you have your number in camp and not making a fuss about it is going to take advantage of the opportunity he has with you being relegated to the minors or God knows where. If you could even call it being relegated to the minors with no actual hockey on. And you find out he's taking your number. All the while publicly wanting a trade. What the hell? What the hell? Put yourself in Logan Brown's shoes. Would you want to be in that position? Would you want to be... Would you even want a chance with this pro team anymore? Or have you just had enough? Have you just said, you know what? I don't feel as if I am in a position where I'm wanted, where I'm being respected, or I'm being given a fair shake. I might feel like that if I was Logan Brown. And I'm a guy who has said, Logan Brown needs to earn it. He needs to kick the, kick the door down and stake his claim to an NHL roster spot. But I also said that he needed to look in the top six to start the year. What more does he have left to prove playing in Belleville? What more does he have left to prove sitting in the Brook Street Motel or Hotel or wherever he's staying? Holiday Inn. I mean, my goodness. And I, 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 the Senators aren't in an enviable position. You have a guy coming to you who you probably don't want to trade, but who wants a trade, saying he would feel more comfortable taking the young kid's number. And the young kid's not on the roster. He's not on the taxi squad. What are you going to say? Are you going to say no? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people listening going right now who are going, oh, yeah, I would say no. But think about it. Really think about it. It's not a situation where you say no. And you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. So it's not all on the Senators, but this whole Derek Stepan marriage has been a nightmare. It has been Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson from Marriage Story. Like, it's... Like, it just doesn't sound like it's working in any sense of the word. And by all accounts, Stepan's liked... 
by all accounts, he's been good for the rookies like Stutzla, and he said he's going to take care of Logan Brown when Logan Brown does get to Ottawa and gets to practicing with the team. Whether that's buying him a watch or a steak dinner or something, I don't know. But it's little things like this that keep adding up. And just the absurdity of the situation, when you think about a guy who wants out after you gave up a second-round pick for him, that is going to be damn near impossible to trade. And then he takes the young kid's number. I don't get it. Maybe there's more to it than this. Maybe Logan and Stepan talked it out and Logan doesn't care about the number. I don't know. I don't know any of it. I just know it's weird. I know it doesn't really sit well with me and that it just has this bizarre feel to it. Maybe I'm wrong. It has happened before. I am wrong often. But right now, it's like you just kind of keep wondering what's going to happen next to this team and how this step-on situation is going to end. Because I don't think he plays the rest of the year in Ottawa. And at this rate, I don't know if anyone's going to be playing at all to finish the NHL season. I don't think anybody's... I don't know if anybody's going to be finishing the season. And that is not a stance I... I thought I would have, but this list of postponements keeps growing and growing. I mean, I have three fantasy teams, and, and I have three players left on all of them combined because the rest of them have had their games postponed. And the biggest struggle is I don't know the solution. I know the NFL got through it, and the NBA is getting through it, but... It feels like every day it gets worse and worse for the NHL. And their schedule was compact to begin with. And now the more you have to push games back and reschedule, how do you how do you reschedule all these games? You're running out of space on the calendar, man. And people have suggested about going going to a bubble or multiple bubbles. I mean, I don't know. I don't think that works. It probably works to keep the virus away, but players did not love the bubble the first time around. And now they're going to have to do it for even longer, and they're going to have to do multiple for the multiple bubbles for the playoffs, and I don't know if that's going to jive with them. I know the league usually gets the better of them in these negotiations and whatnot, but at what point, if you're the players, do you put your foot down and you say enough is enough? And it sucks for the Canadian teams because they've been good, like, there's been no Canadian teams that have had COVID troubles. It's all happening in the U.S., which is understandable when you factor in the global circumstances, but it just feels like the ship's going down right now. And I don't know what more to say on it than that. It's just... Things do not feel like they are trending in a positive direction for the National Hockey League and for finishing their season. It feels like things are going really poorly. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope that they get to finish the season. I hope that we get the Stanley Cup playoffs, whatever they look like, and I hope that 
were able to award the Stanley Cup this year like we were last summer, but I didn't expect it to go this poorly. What was it? They had 100 players in COVID protocol before two weeks of the season or just after the two-week mark? Like, that's not sustainable. If you look at what the NFL doing was they had they had tracking devices on their players and testing was at least as good if not better than the NHL's methods and and you can argue about the ethics of all that and whether or not the NFL should have had their season but at least they got through it. And not only is the NHL not getting through it but players are getting decimated by it. You have 19-year-old Marco Rossi who's still experiencing complications from it months later. This is an uber-talented kid with his entire future ahead of him. And now he's just trying to get back to a place where he can live a normal life. Never mind get back on the ice and play professional hockey. I know that's what he wants to do, but if we have 19-year-old kids that are in peak physical shape getting whacked over the head with this thing and reeling from it I don't I don't know I don't see a path forward right now I think about what if an older coach gets it or an older executive gets it God forbid and things go really south or an immunocompromised player, like a diabetic player gets it. This is scary with these new variants floating around. And I don't know. I don't want to sound like too much of a downer because I know we come on this podcast to escape from all this and we have a good time. But unfortunately, we're in a spot where COVID-19 is threatening the ability of the NHL to play hockey once again. Last year, it all happened so fast when everything shut down. I mean, it was a whirlwind. One week, we were talking to Matt Bosty and we were having laughs. And then the next week, it's like, no more hockey for who knows how long. So, I don't know. I know everybody wants something positive, And I know everybody wants this season to go off without a hitch. And that they want to see the Stanley Cup awarded. I do, too. I really do. But I'm nervous, and I I would feel better if I saw a path out of it, if I saw a way that the NHL could adjust. But I think you have so many players in these geographically diverse places where they all have their own unique COVID situations just in everyday life, not just in hockey. And I don't know how you fight back against that. I'm not sure how you can keep tabs on every player or how every single player can avoid getting this thing. I mean, sure, it's been easier in Canada, but look at the mask compliance rate in Canada as opposed to the U.S. It's not even close. And not every team has the same resources in terms of players having to go out in public and not every player is the same. I mean, for God's sake, there have been players that have publicly questioned the existence of COVID-19 or the veracity 
of COVID-19 and its severity. And it's just, it's frustrating and it feels like a mess. And I know it's sad, but I don't know. I don't know how this season's going to finish. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I would love to be wrong on this. But right now, I don't have a good feeling. And I don't want to end the podcast on this note. I know we've been going for a while, but I don't want to end it on this super sad down note. I want to talk a little bit about the rookies that the Senators have have been employing in their everyday roster before we end the show here. Let's talk about Eric Branstrom. My goodness, he is a phenomenal hockey player. He's always been one of my favorites to watch at any level he's played at. And I think he's only going to get better when he's paired with better partners. But it's unbelievable what he's coming and done through three games. I mean, his Corsi percentage is hovering around 50. I'm sure that'll go up as he plays more games and gets more opportunities. But the way he's looked on the power play, he just looks like a different player. He really does. He looks more confident. He looks more poised. He's taking shooting opportunities, and he's getting pucks to the net and creating chances. That's the Brandstrom we didn't see last year. We saw a Brandstrom that looked smaller and timid uh, that probably wasn't ready for his first taste of sustained NHL action but was forced into it by necessity. And I think now we're seeing a player who has developed in both the AHL and in Europe and everywhere in between, and is looking stronger between his ears than he did last year. I think that's the biggest thing. Eric Branstrom is so talented that all he needs to do is play with confidence and good things will happen. He's going to make mistakes. All young players do. But I think he's going to be a special talent for this Senators blue line. And then what can you say about Tim Stutzla? I had the three-game goal streak, and not one of them was an ugly one. Not one of them is bouncing in off his skate or off his ass. They are all beautiful, and he's creating chances for his teammates. His puck movement on the power play and in the offensive zone has been stuff you don't see from a lot of seasoned veterans. I've said it before. I'll say it again. The sky is the limit for Tim Stutzla, and as the Senators continue to get more young players in their lineup, shout out Artem Zub as well. He's been fantastic. Things are going to get better for this team. I think you're going to see Logan Brown make an impact. I think you're going to see Branstrom hit his stride. I think once Christian Willanden comes back from his injury, if he can stay healthy, he's going to do some really good things. And who knows? Maybe this Senators team won't finish last in the division. They're tracking for it right now and for a first overall pick, but them's the breaks. And like I said at the top of the show, as long as it is competitive, I know you amazing Senators fans will enjoy the ride. Folks, I think that's about it for this episode of Internal Budget. Thank you so much for listening. As always, you know I greatly appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the new intro music for this episode. We'll get back to the old one next week, maybe. I'll probably still be basking in that Super Bowl win, probably till, until next year when they repeat it. Back to back, baby. Run it back. Make sure you like the podcast. Share it with your friends. Download, subscribe, rate five stars. Little things, they go a long way. They're greatly appreciated. Next episode will probably be coming at you later this week or early next week, depending on the Senators' schedule. I know this one was a little later, but I wanted to wait until after Super Bowl Sunday to get it up. But we will chat soon. Keep an eye on my Twitter page, at BrandonMackey underscore. Lots of cool content coming otherwise. And check me out on Rebel 101.7 Ottawa every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern. Until then, 
Take care, y'all.